0: Today, I'm going to cover The Dawn by Yoram Hazoni, Political Teachings of the Book of Esther. This was my final book for 2022, so it was book 52 of 52. This one was a late addition to my reading list from last year, and it, and it came about because of a tweet. So I had, I had read somewhere along the way in, in 2022 that uh, the Book of Esther was fantasy or, or uh, fanciful Um and so I, I I wrote a tweet, to something to that effect, where, you know, I found out today that, that the book of Esther, it couldn't have happened, or it couldn't happen this way, or, or something like that. And and someone saw that and sent me this book as, as a response. And I, I think the main thing is, is if you view something as fanciful, or it, it's easy to, to dismiss it. And what this book does is really give weight to the book of Esther, not not that it needs it, but, but um, kind of shows the what's going on at a, at a much deeper level and so each chapter starts out with uh, actual chapter of the book of Esther and then and then uh, the author here just kind of digs in deep as to, as to what this means and if, if you are unfamiliar with the book of Esther it's a it's a really interesting story it's rather short and so you, you'd probably just be best off stopping this episode and, and just going to the book of Esther you can read through it uh, 30 45 minutes and and then and then come back uh, You'll have a better idea of what's going on, but the the gist of it is that it is a story of Jews who are in exile. So they're they're in Persia at this time, and the question is 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 kind of this: How then shall we live? In the sense of this this is a book about power and political power, and, and by definition, the Jews who are in exile in Persia they do not have any power. Uh, they are powerless, and so. If if you are in that situation as the Jews were here, what what do you do? Uh, if there's a king over you and that king is not good, what what do you do? Uh, where's the line? Where where do you draw the line? Uh, what do you do in these situations? And you know what what how should you act? And what, what constitutes taking action as opposed to to just going going along with with what's going on? And so it's it's a really Interesting look at the Book of Esther, but then it's it's a kind of a broader view of of the Bible as well. So you're digging deep into this book, but by doing so, you're you're looking at a number of different stories in the Bible. And so, how do they relate to this? How do they relate to power and political power and all that? So, uh, I, I loved it. I this was such a good book. It, you know, it's the last book of the year. I've had a few. Like that, where the last book of the year really surprises me, and it, it was it was a lot of fun. There was there was one part that just nailed me. I'll I'll, uh, I'll read that a little later on uh, about anger. A lot of discussion about means versus ends. Uh, something I'm I'm very fascinated with, uh, especially after reading the Robert Caro series about Lyndon B. Johnson. I just I, I'm interested any time a book is talking about about means versus ends and and kind of digging into that that question. Is it is it okay to discuss Dismiss the means to get to a specific end? Uh, or or is, that, is that not okay? And, and those, those types of questions. So I'll go into that in the next segment of this episode. And then in, in segment three, I'll cover the one thing, my one key takeaway. Uh, But before I I jump into the next segment, I just want to share the reading stats. This is a 263-page book. I finished it in eight hours and 36 minutes. That was over a six-day period, and so I averaged 44 pages per day. That was between December 18 and 23 of 2022. So next up, segment two, uh, three ideas that, that were interesting to me in the dawn. Well, if you think this is a book that you'd be interested in, uh, it's it's kind of hard hard to find. I, I mean, not super hard, but they, they do have it on Amazon. Um, you may have to get like a used copy of it. I also found it on Abe Books, uh, but but just in in terms of getting it everywhere, it's not it's not one of those books you can just get anywhere. Um, so if if you are interested, you 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 may need to kind of hunt around for it a little bit. But there are a few copies available as of right now on on Amazon. So a few few ideas here that I want to to share that that uh, came up in this book, and the first is just uh, something I've been thinking about about lately. So right now, uh, 2023, it's January 26 when I'm recording this, and I'm reading through the Bible right now. So I, I, I'm gonna. From here on out i'm going to start at each year just reading through the bible and i know it's going to take about two months so i just figure every january and february going forward i'm just starting at the beginning of the bible and reading to the very end and so i'm in the midst of that right now and so i'm just very interested in approaches to the bible um how to pick things out how to how to read the bible and and just how to get the most out of it and so this this book helped with that the, the the dawn the the book I'm talking about here it really helped with with that and and here's a few ways in which it did so um, I I heard it's kind of a weird thing to say but I I heard I heard it said that the Bible is is a magic book and and what I what is meant by that is that there are words on the page that are in front of you and you can read them and you can you can get You can get a lot out of just reading that, but that's, that's like a very small part of what's going on. And this is not the case with most, if, if any other books, like you can read a book and and everything's just kind of right there in front of you. But when you're, when you're reading the Bible, uh, there'll be these weird turns of phrases. You're like, why, why would it be said that way? and if you dig into that it's referring to something else or if if they'll be they'll be talking about a person and then they'll describe a characteristic about that person that rem- that sounds familiar and it should sound familiar because someone else has been described as that in the bible and so if you're reading something about this this one character and and it says this thing that reminds you of someone else. Well, that, that should, that should help, that should force you to think about that other person. And then that should kind of help you think about this person as being a a mix of these, or you can kind of gather more information just from the things it's referencing. And so there's the part in front of you that you're reading, but there's so much going on. And what the dawn does is really show you just for one book of the Bible what that would look like, what it looks like to read it and, and just to see all of these connections to, uh, for instance, in the story of Esther, um, connecting Mordecai with with Joseph, uh, connecting Mordecai with with other people in the Bible, with Moses. Like, what are the differences? What are the similarities? What did Moses do with power? What did Joseph do with power? What did Mordecai do with power? What did Esther do with power? Um, what did they do with lack of power? And 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 just kind of like piecing all these things together it, it really becomes a, a puzzle uh yeah just this, this puzzle of like putting these pieces together and to dig in deep like this into one book is is really fun so you can read this book uh as, as a to get some ideas just on how to approach reading the bible uh so things that may seem silly when you read the Bible or, or things that may be difficult to understand, there's probably a reason that it's there. It's probably a reason that it's written in a particular way. Uh, just think that a lot of this stuff would have been oral. So you're not, you're, before it was written down, so you, you, you're not going to waste words. So there, there's there's not wasted words here. Like it, Everything has a, a point, and there's just a lot of connection points throughout other parts of the Bible uh, that, that help you interpret what you're reading here. So that, that's just the first thing that stuck out is just, if for no other reason, just read this book as a, as a way to become a better reader overall, uh, learn how to kind of dig into things, but specifically to become a better reader of the Bible and, and super specifically to become a better reader of the book of Esther. So that's the first thing. As I mentioned in segment one, uh, th- there are a lot of discussion about means versus ends in this book. So I want to just highlight some of these that, that come up. Um, as I said before, I'm just very interested in this. So one one question that comes at the, uh, at the beginning, this is on page 39. If this is what Esther and Mordecai must do in order to succeed, would it not be better to refuse to abstain to die rather than play according to the rules dictated by impure men? So that's uh, that end quote. So that's, that's kind of the question. Um, do you just... Do you just go out in blaze of glory? If you are in exile and there is someone in power over you and they are evil or they are not doing things how you would want them to do, what what do you do? Do you do you do you either give up? Do you fight? Do you help them? You know what what do you do? And so that's kind of the big question at the beginning here, and and it ties into that that means verse verse ends. Uh, in a, in another part on that page it says. "...in in choosing against resistance and submission and in favor of active support of the despot, both Esther and Mordecai open themselves to the charge that they have been blinded by their concern with ends, that they have corrupted themselves, prostituted themselves, that all this this truck with tyrant constitutes a willful collaboration with evil, and that no good man should be involved in such endeavors, much less a good Jew." End quote. So that, that kind of sets up the question of, of how, how then should shall they live within this area of exile. Next up, page ninety two. If this is true, then the power to bring redemption can only can come only through rejecting Joseph's road, as Mordecai does, and traversing the road of Moses and Abraham, the road of disobedience and war. Uh, before that, true the Jew can and must compromise, obey, and bend to gain power for good. But in the end, salvation can never come from gaining power. Only by expending the power that has been gained to alter the course of events. So the uh, distinguishing between gaining power, uh, uh, obtaining power for the sake of power, or for obtaining power to expend uh, to, to 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 do good. Uh, so again, that question. I mean, is is it okay? to have corrupt means then to get to a, a good, if you're going to use that good to help others or, you know, what, what's the motivation to get the power in the first place? Is it to just have the power or is it to help others do good? But still, you, you still have to be concerned with the means as part of that. And then the final part, page one thirty here. In other words, if saving life is the highest value and all accumulation of power is understood to be saving life, does not God then condone and, any and every action taken in the service of building up political and economic power. In this case, the political and economic power of the Egyptian house of bondage, end quote. And again, it's just, the, this book goes back a lot to, to Joseph when he's in Egypt and, and how he uses power. Uh, but but that, that question of um, is if, if saving life is, is the highest good, then shouldn't, shouldn't everything be about getting power to to save that life? Uh, but just that man, that that fascinating question of of is that even possible? If if you use bad means to get to a what you think is a good end, does that corrupt the whole thing? Does that mess up the whole thing? So I, I loved a lot of the discussion uh, in terms of, of power on that side and just the means first ends question here. The last thing I want to highlight is is a section on anger that um, that. I resonated with it, and and I thought it was just very insightful. And so I wanted to read it. It's it's, kind of long here, but um, I'll just go here. But why does the king leave the room? What does such behavior really mean? Storming out if insulted or embarrassed, slamming a door behind, or similarly not speaking with someone for years, abandoning a flagging marriage without a word, resigning from high office, and in the extreme suicide, all these are familiar, and they are the same. Hardly ever does it make sense to act this way, strictly calculating benefits against costs, but these are not the actions of reason and interest. They are the actions of the spirit, which finding no possible recourse for the reestablishment of control establishes mastery at the expense of self-interest, through the demolition of the situation itself. In departure, that which cannot be controlled is nonetheless brought to bow to one's will even in suicide, the action of the spirit is the same. It's need to control winning over the needs of the body, control being firmly and finally regained in the destruction of all that has heretofore resisted control. Such an action is therefore not only one of self destruction, but also of powerlessness, since it proves that control cannot have been imposed in any other way. End quote. He I mean he's talking about uh, the the king the king of Persia here in, in the book of Esther, and uh, the impulsiveness of the man and and that sort of thing. And, And he, he's so angry at one point, he just leaves the room and then just goes into this, this paragraph about, about that, but how that kind of, that kind of anger, that kind of behavior is part and parcel to suicide. Like suicide is the extreme, but storming out or slamming a door or these kind of things that it's, 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 it's along the line of continuum, but it's, it's, it's dealing with control. It's de- it's it's dealing with a sense of powerlessness, and the the action, the reaction to that is is this anger, is this trying to regain control, but through a way that that is self-destructive. And that there, I mean, there's just so much insight. I mean, just you know, viewing myself and how I I respond to things, viewing how others respond to things and, and seeing, perhaps seeing it not as someone just being crazy or that kind of thing, but it's, it's, it's calculated and it's, it's a reaction to not, to losing some sort of power. And so, yes, this book deals with power. It deals with uh, how to react to power when you don't have it, what to do with it when you do have it. And And how to how to view it in others, and this is going to tie in very well with my one thing that I'll cover in segment three. This book exposed a thought that I have going through this world, Um, and and it's brought about. I I I did I didn't even realize that uh, that it's so strongly inside of me and the idea is is that of well it's one that adam smith talks about in the wealth of, of nations in that uh man is driven by self-interest and that's different than selfishness in the cell in the sense that self-interest uh the the baker's baking bread and selling that bread so he can feed his family the, the brewer is doing the same uh, so there's a self-interest there it doesn't necessarily mean that you know every, everybody's greedy and selfish and all that but but self-interest is what what drives people and I just kind of take that for granted and don't don't consider it in the sense of yeah everyone's self-interested they're, they're looking out for themselves uh, th- that's that's what keeps the world moving and that's what keeps the economy going and, and all that kind of stuff and and so I just that's kind of an idea and it's shelved to the side because that's just how things work. And I, I don't even really think about it anymore, but that this book just described another motivation for, uh, or, uh, another guiding principle for human motivation. And that is the appetite for rule, the appetite for power. And I want to read a section here because it, it really made me think, and it really had me take a step back and kind of rethink is, is, is the desire, uh, is the, is self-interest a guiding principle for human motivation, or is this desire to rule, this desire for power? So, so let me read a few parts here. The king appears in Esther as a representation of something else, something we are unaccustomed to recognizing in ourselves and others, the appetite for rule. The essential ingredient in the character of every ruler, in this case, unenlightened, Unchanneled and unrestrained. It is worth considering the appetite for rule and control more closely, the better to understand this king and all others. The desire for rule, which the philosophers call Thimos, and the Jews knew as spirit, is a primary aspect of man's nature, the first quality mentioned in the books of Moses with respect to mankind. God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and they will rule. "...over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the skies, and over the cattle, and over the earth. Every person at all times strives to rule and control that which comprises his world." Skipping ahead. Such world is a fantasy, but it is one for which man strives from the day he is born, as surely as he strives for physical sustenance. As the appetite for food drives him towards his supper, so too does the appetite for control drive man to rule his world, or if he cannot, to find someone who can rule it in his place and provide him with the stability for which he yearns. End quote. I'm uh, that that just that captures so much of recent politics it captures so much when you're reading about power and it just it it made me take a step back and think what is the guiding principle of human motivation is it self-interest is it just living for yourself and trying to get as much as possible and, and in in doing so that kind of helping make the economy go the invisible hand all that or is is this desire for power, is that the guiding principle of human motivation? Is it is it the guiding principle that we don't like to talk about? Maybe we don't like to see it in ourselves. It's really easy to point out in others. Uh, this person is power hungry. This person is ambitious. This person is egotistical, narcissistic. We can point it all out in other people, but is, is, is that is that the real guiding principle? Just it, it made me think, and I uh, and I love when thing I love when books do that. I love when you have this closely held idea that you don't even know is closely held. It it permeates your thoughts. It permeates how you think of how the world works. And here's here comes another idea, and just helps you you know think through it through it more. So I loved that. That was the, that's my one key takeaway from from uh, from The Dawn. To recap, uh, this is a deep dive into the book of Esther. Probably not as deep as you could go, but it is, it's is—it's a deep dive, but along a particular topic, and that is the topic of power and politics. And what do you do if you are not in power? And what's great about the book of Esther is we're, we're, we're looking at Esther and we're looking at Mordecai, and they are people at the beginning, they are Jews, and they are living in exile. So by definition, they have no power. Yet within this story, they come to high, high amounts of power within this small narrative, within this small story. And so you see different ways of handling power. Not having it, what do you do? Having it, what do you do? Uh, what do you do when you see it in others? What do you do when people are abusing power? What does it mean to ab- abuse power? You've got a king here who appears by everything we see that to be abusing power, and yet, Mordecai and Esther don't do anything against that king. But when that king appoints uh, someone with power and and then gets rid of all other voices in the kingdom, and and this person almost has absolute power, that's when Mordecai says no. That so why why was that the line? Why was that the line that caused Mordecai to take action? Whereas this this king. Not, not a Jew, not in line with with how Mordecai would want to live. Why was that okay? Why was it not when he appointed this kind of absolute ruler? Interesting questions. Fascinating way to just help you read this story, to read the the Bible in 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 general on on how to tie pieces together, how to tie um, stories, people, um, areas, and all these different things together. So I highly recommend this one. I mean, it's it, relatively short book, uh, eight hours to read. And then if you know, you read the book of Esther, uh, another 30 minutes, but uh, a lot of lessons, a, a lot of neat things to think about. So I, I would suggest reading this one. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at eric at com. If you have read this book, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear maybe some things that you got out of it. I uh, I took two, I write very small-y, small, 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 and, and I, I just have a ton of notes in the back of this book. They cover two two pages. Um, so I, I, I wrote a lot down. I underlined a lot. I got a lot out of this book. Um, I, I would love to hear from you, though, if you have read it, and I would love to hear what you got out of it. You can follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter, and the website is stocked full of resources to help you find the best books and to create your own reading list. I'll be back in two weeks to discuss another book or something uh, related to this year, uh, my 2023 reading list. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.